0: Ladies and gentlemen, two girls, two boys, a phenomenon in pop music, ABBA. Hello and welcome to Like a Magic Spell, the podcast which aims to unlock the joy of ABBA one song at a time. Now, if you follow our Instagram account, which is like a magic spell, you might have seen that we have made it into the hallowed pages this week of The Radio Times, no less. We are on page 113, if you want to grab a copy. We are in the pick of the best audio on demand pages. And it's obviously very nice that people are starting to notice the podcast and download it and rate it and all those things. Little ask of me, if you do know anyone who is even vaguely a fan of ABBA, then do please spread the word, tell them about the podcast, because I think it's probably something that they might quite like. You never know. This week, I am talking to ABBA fan Jamie Brown about two songs off the Super Trooper album. They are Our Last Summer and The Piper. And as usual with these little chats, I began by asking Jamie how ABBA came into his life. Abba are probably the only band that
1: have been a constant presence from the earliest time that I can remember interacting with pop music. Time is a factor here, my age I was born in seventy six so if you think i'm when I'm three or four years old, I'm starting to hear songs on the radio, I'm starting to take note of records that my parents are playing and seventy nine eighty is like a really big time for Abba now, although my parents are also you know especially my mum, big fans of Beatles doing by that time, those records have been shoved to more to the back of the shelf and they're playing the ABBA stuff constantly because it's it's what they're into at the time. So I've got really early memories of ABBA records playing. I get really into them. The first time I start playing records on my own little record player in my bedroom, I'm taking the ABBA records out of my parents' stack and playing them. <laughs> at one point, I even started recording myself on my cassette player, singing along with voulez Vu, the album voulez Vu, my mum caught me and <laughs> insisted on listening to it back and critiquing my singing uh, along with the album. And then later on, I started to discover the sort of earlier stuff and they've just always been a presence throughout my life. Big question, where is the cassette now? I wish I still had it, <laughs> so that I could hide it and make sure nobody ever found it. Uh, but no, I've no idea where that, that went.
0: Your experience is similar to mine, in that it was just background. So my parents didn't have the LPs, but we did have cassettes, So uh-huh. and we would go on long car journeys. So it would always be on, it would always be these different sort of compilations whether it was the albums or sort of later compilations when they stopped producing albums so the record label used to put out compilations and it wasn't until much later in life that I started to go back and just really kind of think about all the different albums and appreciate them all as separate kind of things and appreciate their whole canon as one big thing I think a compilation that
1: was quite influential for me was the nineteen eighty two, it was like the breakup compilation, the singles, the first ten years. Yes. Um and we had that as like a double cassette. Um, and that was played in the car in my dad's car, and so I used to end up playing that to death. I used to ask, you know, on long journeys, play that again, play that again, because I just I loved everything on it. Um, and that was where I discovered a lot of the the older singles. Mm. From there, I saw so when I
0: was a bit older, I started investigating the the other albums and so yeah. on. How was your eighties? Because mine was sort of tinged with a feeling that ABBA weren't very cool. How was your ABBA 80s?
1: So I actually listened to ABBA a lot throughout the 80s. And it's funny because I don't think it really registered with me. I was probably too young that they'd broken up Mm. um, because the music was so constant. I think it was later with me in the 90s when I become like a teenager and then in my early 20s that the idea of ABBA not being cool kind of hits me. I never stopped liking them, but I probably hid the fact a bit more. Um, I probably didn't go quite as public with it. I think that was probably quite a common thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it probably was. But then I don't know I think when I got to university because I went to university a little bit later as in my mid 20s by then I started to realize that people like really liked ABBA and you know there was no hiding this was necessary you know. Yeah. Um I used to go out to the odd uh, indie disco and stuff like that and they'd throw an ABBA song on at the end of it wow. and I was like oh okay I'm with
0: my people here yeah, this is fine. <laughs> So we are talking about Our Last Summer and The Piper today. Song facts for Our Last Summer. So it's track seven on Super Trooper or track two, side two of the LP in old money. Lead vocals from Frida. It was written in May 1980 on Vigsher Island. It was one of three songs to come from a single week of songwriting. The others being uh, an unused demo called Burning My Bridges. And the other one you might have heard of, The Winner Takes It All. Mm. So we, we find them in a very rich vein of form, I think, at this point. Yes, indeed. The song was inspired by a romance between Bjorn and a girl he knew from his hometown of Vestavik in Sweden. She's working as an au pair in Paris in the mid-60s. Apparently, the same romance also influenced My Love, My Life, which Arrival a couple of years earlier. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that until I started researching. Thank you. Recording for this song began on Wednesday, the 4th of June, 1980 at the Polis Studios in Stockholm. The guitar solo from the song was performed by Lasse Vellander, ABBA's longest serving guitarist. He actually died on 7th of April this year, RIP. He played with them throughout the 70s on the Chess Concept album. He played on the Mamma Mia movie soundtracks and on Voyage as well. So he's, uh, he's put G- a shift in. Generally, if you're hearing guitars and ABBA songs, it's lesser, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'll put a link to his obituary in the show notes for the podcast because I found a really nice obituary from The Guardian. There's some really nice warm things that the members of ABBA said about him, because, you know, he'd been there since day one, basically. Yes, he's essentially the fifth member, really, isn't he? So this song wasn't released as a single, but the Mamma Mia movie version was certified silver by the BPI in 2022, presumably through streaming and downloads and that kind of thing. And if you listen very carefully through the bridge of the song, you can actually hear one of the melodies which ended up on Anthem, on the chess album and i can't wait to do a podcast about the chess album because that (laughs) is it's mind-blowing but i'll Keep my powder dry in that one.
1: They were a little bit worried, I think, about when people heard uh, Anthem for the first time that they might recognise
0: uh, a little bit that they nicked from <laughs> yeah. our last summer. <laughs> yeah. If you ever listen to... So Tim Rice's podcast talks about the genesis of chess. And Bjorn and Benny obviously just had loads of like little bits of lyrics and bits of melodies scribbled down and it was just a massive kind of paper exercise of bringing that all together. Right. <laughs> a couple of quotes about the song. So this is Bjorn about that girl from Vestavik. He says we've not been romantically involved in Sweden but Paris tends to have that effect on people and so it was with the two of us to be honest I don't really remember much about Paris I mostly remember her and also another a second quote from Bjorn about he wants to create and this is a quote from him that melancholy memory of our last summer of innocence it's a very grand thing to say Jamie what do you think our last summer you just mentioned that it's a kind of sweet,
1: nostalgic, romantic song, but I think, as with any ABBA song uh, that might sound like that, there is a kind of darker and more grown-up and serious undercurrent going on because the protagonist of this song, who is has obviously been turned into a woman because he's writing for a female voice, seems to me as though she's essentially wondering if this uh, lovely summer walk around Paris in the 60s with what turns out to be the world's most dullest man, uh, you know, in later years, is as good as it's ever going to get, uh, really. There is a, a strong sort of sense of sadness, typically Scandinavian mm. sadness. And you can see that in the um, the sort of bridges between the verses and the chorus is where... The darkness is included yeah so you've got the verses which are, are sort of like sweet and nostalgic and then you get these the bridge into between the verse and the chorus which has these kind of like almost bernard herman like stabbing sounds <laughs> as if like real life is just waiting behind the shower curtain with a big knife you know
0: <laughs> i actually picked out one of those bits those bridges to the chorus as one of my highlights you know the line we took a chance like we were dancing our last dance i mean it's, just, it's poetry, isn't it? It is. And
1: there's another one where he says, we had a fear of flying, of getting old, a fear of slowly dying. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, these people must have been in their early 20s walking around Paris. They should have been carefree, Absolutely. you know, not wondering about that. But of course, this is written from the point of view of someone probably in their 40s. It's, you know, pure midlife crisis stuff. Mm. And they're projecting their fears at that time in their life back onto their memories, just yeah. as, as, as you as anybody would.
0: So the song we discussed before this one on the podcast, which was Happy New Year, I thought there was quite a lot of similarities, sort of duality between nostalgic and melancholic
1: There's something very lonely about this song. The protagonist could almost be the same one as the one in If It Wasn't For The Knights, who's just Mm. sort of like standing there staring at the wall in the evening, you know, um, wondering how she's going to get through another evening alone. You know, this could be the same woman looking through
0: her Paris snaps from the 1960s. Yeah. What do you think of the guitar solo? I wonder whether it's entirely necessary, to be honest. (laughs) Can I give you a long answer to this?
1: You can. This is an amazing song, and I think it could be regarded as one of the great Abba songs. There are two things for me that stop it from getting there. One, less seriously, is the mangled pronunciation of croissant as (laughs) croissant, because it's necessarily a three-syllable rhyme with restaurant to make it scan. So that's kind of like a lyrical googly that Bjorn has thrown at the girls. And then the second one I would have said is the guitar solo, which I would go as far as to say is like maybe ruining the song is a bit much, but it certainly takes me out of the song. And I don't think it adds anything to the song. I think it only takes things away from the song. I think it makes it feel less melancholic. I think it's less elegant as a result of the guitar solo being there. I can't talk about it as a technical guitar solo because I don't play guitar. I'm sure Lasset plays it brilliantly but it's the kind of the way it screeches in it doesn't fit
0: with the uh, the tone of the rest of the song mm. for me they, it's almost like they've abandoned the point of the song and they think oh we just need a bit of a bit of a rock star element to it well there's a gap there that needs
1: to be filled i think between the last two refrains of the chorus mm. But if you look at how they do it on other songs on the album, Andante Andante, for instance, it's very subtle mm. little solo that's played and it's very quickly in and out and then you're back to the the chorus again. Whereas this one, maybe they've given Lassa carte blanche to so just go ahead and like be a rock star for once <laughs> you don't associate ABBA with being a guitar band even though there are always guitars on ABBA songs they're played in such a subtle way and um, that you never really notice them and you don't think of them as a guitarist band so when this big guitar solo comes in it's really quite strange and I think that's probably what stops it from being viable as a single because I think that would have you know surprise the public too much if that had been released as a single yeah you know and they, this big guitar solo would come I think people would have reacted to that. what are Abba doing here you know <laughs> it just doesn't fit with the way people think about Abba mm. I don't think because it, it's a it's a guitar band's guitar solo exactly. and Abba are not a guitar band yeah
0: it would have been nice if they'd done like an accordion break or something something <laughs> something French <laughs> I've picked out a few highlights just from the from the lyrics really that I, I really really like obviously one of them was that we took a chance like we were dancing our last dance. I do like it. It's very cheesy, but I do like the kind of the Paris travelogue element to it. It's like a tick list, isn't it? It's like, yeah, walking along the Seine, Yeah, Mo- Mona Lisa, Eiffel Tower. You it, know. it gets all the landmarks in, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. You kind of wonder if they maybe had a, a bung of a few francs from the, uh, the, the Paris tourist board. I'm a big sucker for that minor major switch from those bridges
1: into the chorus musically it's devastating those transitions out of the bridge into the chorus the way it sort of soars yeah particularly from the second sort of elongated bridge when it's kind of the refrain is repeated the way that goes into the second chorus it's just like we have liftoff you know it's brilliant yeah and then the,
0: fi- the final kind of highlight for me was Frida's sustained notes as we, kind of, as we go to the fade. Frida tends to get less sort of solo vocals, doesn't she? So mm-hmm. maybe when she, she gets given
1: one, she sort of like tries to make the most of it a bit more. But uh, Frida's voice, when you hear it isolated, is, is just beautiful. And like you say, particularly in that final chorus, when she sort of like really starts letting it go and sort of like breaks off the, from the harmony
0: with mm-hmm. Agnetta in that final chorus, that, that's really beautiful. Doing lots of research for before I started this podcast, I hadn't realised just learning more about them as burgeoning musicians. Frida had done a lot of jazz. And now when I found that out, you can almost hear that kind of that huskiness. Frida's voice is like a smoky room and Yetta's yeah. and voice is like a choir. <laughs> yes,
1: definitely. I mean, I, I guess it's why they Choose um Frida for I don't know things like money, money, money mm-hmm. when the tone needs to be just that little bit sexier, a little bit darker. Yeah,
0: um, and she really goes low in that song, doesn't yes. she? Uh,
1: in a way that Agneta probably wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, to reach
0: uh, any good memories of Paris. I've been to
1: Paris quite a few times. And I ha- I've probably like found myself walking around thinking about <laughs> our
0: last summer a couple of times. <laughs> I have to confess. Couple of quick questions: Which do you prefer, walks along the Seine or laughing in the rain? Uh, i think walks along the same yeah me too when it's summer and i i really hate summer i no, i don't hate summer i really hate it when it's really warm and i can't wait for the rain to come and then the rain comes and i go out for a walk in it and 10 minutes in i'm like oh i'm over this now
1: walking in the rain i think would be you know refreshing for a few minutes but if it, it you know it gets old quickly if it carries on for too long yeah
0: <laughs> also laughing in the rain is like who laughs in the rain <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends who you're with, I suppose. That's true, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Paris restaurants or morning croissants? I definitely prefer morning croissants to morning croissants. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's no official music video for our last summer, but... As I've been doing on previous episodes, I'm going to go straight to the YouTube comments underneath on the official ABBA channel. Bruce YV 9TM says, One of my favourites. I have it down as my fifth best ABBA song. The guitar solo's great. Mm. And once I discovered the hidden vocals behind the guitar, I cried. Such an example of Frida and Agneta's unbelievable harmonies and Frida's powerful solo potential. JRVR959 says, Only a band like ABBA could record this masterpiece and keep it as an album track. Instead of releasing it as a worldwide single, their talent is awe-inspiring.
1: Yeah, well, I think as we discussed, there are just a couple of elements that prevent it from being a single.
0: Yeah. Catherine CHCH24 says, I fell in love with the song the first time I heard it. Only Frida's magnetic voice is able to interpret the song and melody to its fullest. This is pure ABBA, pure Frida." Deb Maliadas says, only during an ABBA song can one feel a tinge of sadness without knowing that, all the while, one's feet are tapping away to the beats. That's quite a good kind of summary of it, isn't it? Clemens Gruber, 7278, says, one of their best songs. They're generally considered to be a hit band, but their greatest masterpieces are the lesser known songs. Mm-hmm. I think there
1: are I think there are ma- little masterpieces hiding on uh, all of Abba's albums. I kind of agree with him that they are probably best known as a singles band. They're mm-hmm. more of a singles band than an albums band.
0: Definitely, yeah. But there's always treasure to be found, isn't there? Definitely, always. Yes. And finally, Jose Carvalho nine three eight eight says, "This reminds me of my love story, my honeymoon in Paris. A lot of passion, a lot of horniness. It was too good while it lasted." <laughs> there's the story there. But the person who's remembering
1: the love story is so sad while they're remembering it. (laughs) In summary then, a la summer... Final thoughts? Oh, I like the fact that the most boring name that Bjorn can think of is Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Final chorus. Harry's the sort of name that everybody gives to their baby boys nowadays. Yeah, you know? so it's seen It's one of the coolest names. But in 1980, Bjorn's uh, thinking of the most boring name <laughs> he can think of for an English <laughs> as an English name, presumably. And uh, he comes up with Harry, which I find quite amusing. There's one other sort of lyric that jumped out of me is when um, the protagonist sings at the end you're the hero of my dreams. As dull as it seems, you're the hero of my dreams. What a sad image that is of this person sort of sitting there in the future and they're looking back at this person who they've just described as like, now you're a banker and you go down the football and I wouldn't be interested in you at all. And yet you're you're still
0: as good as it could have got. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big question. Where does this stand in the whole... ABBA canon, do you think? Well, as I sort of suggested
1: before, I think this has the potential to be in the kind of like Premier League of ABBA songs, but it's just those couple of elements. And I think particularly the guitar solo, I think it's a great song, but I mean, this thing, all things are relative. We're talking about ABBA here. Of course. Um, and there's a lot of competition. But if you were going to ask me to take a non-single out of Super Trooper, you know, I'm probably going to take away Andante Andante before mm-hmm. I take away Our Last Summer.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay arbitrary marks out of 10 for our last summer i'm going to give it a seven okay that's good that's creditable i might go for i think i might go for 7.5 okay it's my nostalgic memories of the song and the nostalgia in the song that just kind of really wins me over for that one if the guitar solo wasn't there it would be minimum eight. Oh really <laughs> excellent yes so go back in time Bjorn and benny and take out that guitar solo. i would definitely rethink it Hello Adrian here just popping up to say if you want to get in touch we are like a magic spell at gmail.com. Someone who did get in touch was Cristiano. Hello Cristiano, thanks for emailing in. One of the consistent themes that keeps on coming up about ABBA is their 80s, their 1980s and how in inverted commas, uncool they were. Uh, and Cristiano writes that, yes, he, well, he confirms as a lifelong ABBA fan, they were very uncool during the 1980s. But um, he points to, as we get towards the end of the decade, around the Stock Aiken and Waterman movement, something started to gradually happen, which raised them up from the ashes. And then 1992, when ABBA Gold came out, uh, was an explosive ABBA revival. And Cristiano also takes issue with some of my ratings. Uh, apologies cristiano for those Uh, i think i gave super trooper seven out of ten and uh, cristiano says only seven out of ten come on man be more generous and then he puts in brackets okay i'm kidding lmao it's a solid 10 out of 10 from me cheers from south europe cristiano thank you so much cristiano for getting in touch and of course you can too at likeamagicspell at gmail.com Let's talk about The Piper. A few song facts. So it's track eight on the Super Trooper CD, track three, side two from the LP. Recorded in April 1980. Wasn't released as a single, but it was a B-side on the Super Trooper single. It's about a fascist leader, which I think is hilariously cheery for an song, and was heavily inspired by a Hitler-type political character in the 1978 Stephen King novel The Stand. Obviously, being The Piper, there are parallels with The Pied Piper of Hamelin. did a bit of digging about The Pied Piper of Hamelin, and there's plenty online about drowning rats, kidnapped kids, people being living in caves... I remember it well from my childhood. (laughs) But I've decided not to go too far down that road because we're trying to keep it upbeat. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably for the best. This is the only ABBA song to have lyrics in Latin. At the end of the chorus, they sing Sub Luna Soltamus, which is We Dance Beneath the Moon, which is obviously in English previously in the chorus and the flute on this song was played by longtime collaborator Yana Kling. Yana also did the famous flute on Fernando. So again that goes back to what we were talking uh. about earlier about them having this kind of almost like a theatrical company of people that they work with all the time. A couple of quotes about the song. So um, Bjorn says the lyrics deal with the fear that there will come a time when people will want such a leader again. Karl Magnus Palm says it's medieval sounding and in his book Abba Song by Song Ian Cole says the song sounds somewhat like a medieval madrigal Um, and I've just written down the dictionary definition of a madrigal it is a part song for several voices especially one of the renaissance period arranged in elaborate counterpoint what do you think of the piper Jamie?
1: well um, Abba adapts Stephen King who would have thought it (laughs) maybe it's a stretch but you could also say maybe it's Abba's pandemic song because the story of Stephen King's The Stand actually begins with a pandemic um, ah. wiping out most of humanity and it's those um, few that are left I believe that become led by a personification of either good or evil um, and obviously it's the evil character that the Piper in this song is kind of like based on uh, it's unusually political for Abba you know Bjorn doesn't tend to write many, many political lyrics uh, it's a, like non-personal I didn't like this one as a kid. It really sort of uh, sticks out a bit like a sore thumb coming between uh, the sort of nostalgic romance of Our Last Summer and lay all your voo lay on me that comes afterwards. <laughs> the piper just sort of sits there with its, um, like you say, medieval sounding and more sort of like traditional instrumentation and so on. As a youngster, I didn't really understand it. Those medieval sounds didn't sound very cool to me at all and um, I just thought, that, you know, this is the sort of thing I could imagine people Morris dancing to or something <laughs> and used to just skip past it. I think it was only in... In later years that I uh, sort of realised that the darkness in it, you know, the kind of thing it was alluding to about fascistic leaders and so on. And
0: uh, I started to enjoy it a bit more. How easy do you think that kind of deeper, darker style sits with ABBA?
1: I think it's unusual for them. For Bjorn to allude to anything political just sort of stands out to me straight away as being a bit unusual. You wonder maybe if ABBA are like completely comfortable with um, doing that kind of material because their songs are generally so sort of personal and they're, you know, they're relationship based and all
0: that kind of thing. So it is a bit of a departure. A lot of their songs are based on sort of memories and personal memories, personal experiences. Hmm. But this has come from a book. As far as I know, Bjorn hasn't got any experience of medieval fascistic leaders. So it's just a complete anomaly, I think, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, you could say that the idea about worrying about world leaders who are uh, populist and uh, might sort of like start guiding people into... uh, down dark paths and so on it's not just a new thing you know i mean that that's, that's something that's been around all the time so who knows where bjorn might have been looking around the world and who, who he might have been looking at that inspired him in, to write something like that
0: there's quite a lot of hate for it online frankly it's different good sometimes
1: it is it's more like a folk song and i suppose maybe if you went back into abba's past you might find more songs that sound a bit more like the piper you go back to their folk beginnings mm-hmm. and that sort of
0: thing So again, no official music video for The Piper. Thank goodness. We're going to go straight to the YouTube comments. David Mayer 6456 says, Super song. I like it very much. San Fran 51 says, It's about the public being seduced by a fascist political leader. Yeah, it's deceptively nice. (laughs) No PCs here. 6097 says, For some reason this song is hated by so many. I never understood why. It's one of the better ones on this album.
1: I think it, it kind of depends on your taste really. Some people might
0: enjoy hearing a song which has a departure from the norm. Jean Pierre Bressler, eight five one eight, says it's beautiful, it's terribly effective and undeniably splendid.
1: It's meant to be seductive, isn't it? Mm. That's that's the idea. The tune is meant to be seductive because it's about a guy who's seducing the people. Yeah.
0: And MK Deck 96 says, this song is the Eagle of Super Trooper. <laughs> I think that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I was really struck with that. I was like, yeah, because Eagle's a funny one in that it starts the album and it's, but it, again, it's completely anomalous to the rest of it. Anything else from your notes on the Piper? Once I started
1: to see it as a dark folk song rather than just a folk song, mm. I think that's when I started to enjoy the Piper. Um, because I think I first listened to it at a time when a folk song was not what I was looking for at all now I kind of almost see it as like the lost song off the wicker man soundtrack or something like that so (laughs) if I think about it that way I can enjoy it a lot more
0: arbitrary marks out of 10 for the piper
1: I think the piper is probably going to get no more than the
0: six I think that's quite generous to be honest I'd go with a five okay yeah yeah I think that's fair Jamie thank you so much for talking about our last summer and the piper it's been a pleasure I have a little gift for you what I'd like to do is inspire you. So I've bought you a copy of The Stand by Stephen King. Wow, thank you. And I
1: don't actually have one. Fantastic. Um, and I have a friend who's a huge Stephen King fan, so
0: they're going to be very pleased that I'm now going to be reading it so I can discuss it with them. <laughs> I ordered it online and went to go and pick it up, and I was in a bit of a rush. <laughs> the assistant gave it to me, and I was like, yeah, thanks, fine, I'll just you know, have my card ready to pay for it. And she said... What do you think of the new covers? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what they are like. F- I'm not <laughs> a fan. It's it's a gift. <laughs> I wouldn't have known
1: it. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. So come back to me in a couple of years' time, and I'll tell you
0: what I thought of it. Give it a bit of a thump on the table. So just that's there. how big it is. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, I say thank you very much for talking to me today. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. There we go, another episode done of Like a Magic Spell. We are getting through Super Trooper like wildfire. We've only got one more episode to go, which is next week, which is, of course, Lay All Your Love on Me and The Way Old Friends Do, Brackets Live. My thanks again to Jamie for his detailed analysis of Last Summer and the Piper. Um, I did actually edit out a question where I asked Jamie which his favourite Piper was, whether it was Billy Piper or Katie Piper. Um, he chose Billy Piper, so I think that was probably the right decision. Anyway, that's it from me for this week. So we're back again, season finale next week. Thanks very much for listening. Like a Magic Spell is produced and presented by me, Adrian Stirrup. The music is by Ian Jones. Thank you for the music, Ian. We'll see you next week.